whatever it is, it'll be, uh, it'll be from the Bible, okay? Praise the Lord. It'll be from the Word of God. So in the book of Jude, and we've, we've come through this book, uh, this will be the fourth week and uh, to cover these 25 verses, so we haven't done too bad. But um, we're going to read the last few verses here. Begin with verse 16. Of course, I ended up last week um, touching on verse 16 through uh, 19, but I'm going to start reading there. That kind of begins the paragraph. And uh, so let's start in verse 16 of Jude. Uh, and uh, it says this, These, speaking of the apostate false teachers, um, Jude said, These are grumblers and complainers, walking according to their own lusts, and they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. Verse 17, he says, But you, beloved, remember the words that were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lusts. These are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the Spirit, or not having the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. And then he, make, he uses that phrase again in verse 20, But you, beloved, Building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And on some have compassion, making a distinction, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling or from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. Amen. That's awesome, isn't it? Praise God. Lord, just help us tonight to minister your word and add your blessing to this message tonight. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. Somebody sent me a, um, a message the other day of a post. I think it was a post that had been on, put on Facebook. And it said, if the Apostle Paul were, were alive today, the church would be getting a letter. Amen. And I thought that about Jude. If Jude was here today in 2023, we would be, the church would be getting a letter. He would be writing another letter to the church to contend for the faith. And it would probably even be a longer letter than this letter here of 25 verses. But, uh, but this, this, this epistle and this letter that Jude wrote to the church was not just something for the early church to deal with. Um, what he was dealing with here in the Scriptures tells us that the same problem that Jude's dealing with in the first century church is a problem that will be prominent in the last days. 
He said that in verse, actually in verse number 18. He made that statement there that he said that, they, uh, that there would be mockers in the last time. And that the apostles themselves had spoke of that and prophesied that. And we know we're in the last time. We're in the last days today. So, so when we see mockers and scoffers and false teachers and apostates and all of this, then uh, we, we really shouldn't be surprised because that's something that the Bible says that will take place in the last days and be prominent in the last days. But in verse number 17, Jude gives an appeal to the saints and to the beloved. And, and twice, in verse 17 and in verse 20, he uses the, those three words, but you, beloved. So when he says that, he's, he's changing direction here. He's shifting gears, so to speak. And uh, he's, he's telling them, uh, he's, he's speaking now not about the, uh, the apostates or the false teachers now, but he says, but you beloved. Now he's going to tell the church and the saints what they need to do. Here's what you need to do in light of everything that I've told you about the apostasy and the apostates. He's, he's going to tell them that in the midst of this deception, in the midst of all the liars and the deceivers and the apostates, that we as believers must fortify our faith. We must be stronger in these last days than we ever have been before. I think that's maybe why the Lord's had me on Sunday mornings dealing with spiritual growth and the things that we are to be adding to our faith and the development of our, of our spiritual life. Because God knows and He wants us to know that it's going to take more to, to make it in these last days with the deception, you know, and, and I, I don't want want to, you know, uh, just be redundant, but that's what Jesus said when they asked him concerning the signs of his coming and the end of the age. And he said it three times in Matthew 24, take heed that no man deceives you. And so we're living in that time. And, and so Jude here is giving them a, a survival strategy. He's giving them a plan of attack. He's telling the beloved here what to do, to how to make it through these difficult times and he says to them there to remember the word of God he said to remember what the Lord but the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ had to say and when he uses that word remember the word there is not just a recollection of well yeah I remember what Jesus said it's not the words not used just as a recollection but it's used as a word that means to not only remember but to take to heart the words that were spoken really really ponder what was said not only to call it to your remembrance but to take it to heart and uh, he's letting them know here by calling their remembrance to what the apostles of the Lord had said which he's referring to Peter and Paul and the other apostles what they had already spoken and written he's letting them know he's letting these believers know that God's word is the standard that we must measure everything by 
It has to be measured by what is written. Amen. It is written. Praise God. And so everything has to be measured by the standard of this Bible, the standard of this book. And so they were to remember what the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ said. And what did he say that they said? He said that they said in verse number 18 that in the last times there would be what? There would be mockers that would come. Amen. Isn't that what he said? He said that there would be mockers in the last time that would walk according to their own ungodly lust. That they would be sensual. That they would uh, cause divisions and they would not have the spirit. And when you see that you see that today among apostate teachers and false teachers and false prophets, they're caught they cause division within the body of Christ. And so he said that mockers would come in the last time. Peter said the same thing and we touched on these things in the conclusion of the message last Wednesday night, but Peter said that there would be mockers and that there would be scoffers in 2 Peter 3 verses 3 and 4. Um, that that would come in the last days. What is a mocker? What is a mocker? It's a scoffer. It's one who jeers. He's referring to those who were false teachers that would mock the ways of the Lord, the true ways of the Lord, and mock the Word of God, who would actually mock and make fun of biblical doctrine and those who teach biblical doctrine and truth. Amen. I told you here a couple of weeks ago, you know, we're referred to, if you're a fundamental Bible-believing Christian, you're, you're mocked a lot of times. You're referred to as a, you know, as a Bible thumper, whatever, but the new word now for the fundamentalist is fundies. They call us fundies. And so it's a, it's a jeer, it's a scoff, it's a mock that they're mocking those who still stand for the truth of the Word of God. And so he said that would happen. They would come in the last days and they would mock and they would scoff. In verse 19, Jude, Jude described these individuals and he said they're, they're unspiritual. In other words, they do not. He said they're sensual. They're worldly. They're unspiritual. They do not have the Spirit of God. They do not have the Holy Spirit. Amen. But they are governed by their own flesh and by their own fallen nature and they are not governed by the Holy Spirit. So he's telling them, you beloved, remember what the apostles have said. Remember what has already been written and what has already been spoken through, uh, through those apostles by the Holy Spirit and make the Word of God your standard, your plumb line, your measurement. Praise God that shows that you're on on the right track. Amen. Don't want any 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 new uh, new revelations. Nothing's being added to this book. What the Lord has put in the canon of scripture is there. Amen. Praise God. There's no there's nobody in the church world that's to speak ex cathedra uh, that's to that's to overcome and over override what the word of God has already said. Doesn't matter if it's the Pope, amen, he's not to add to what's already been written. Somebody needs to say amen. Praise God. So, he says in verse 20, let's move along here. Verse 20 and 21, but you, beloved, now he uses that phrase again, but you, beloved, here's, here's our, here's our um, 
our survival strategy. Here's our plan of attack. Here's what you need to do to survive these last days. You, beloved, building yourself up, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. But you, beloved, he's just described the sensuality and the, um, the, the worldliness of these false teachers and those who are following them, that they have not the Spirit of God. They're sensual. But he said, you, beloved, are not like that. You have the Holy Spirit. You walk a different walk. You live a different life, a different way. And here he gives in in verse 21, and we'll touch on these other things as well, but I want to key in right now on verse 21. But you, beloved, keep yourselves in the love of God. We brought this point out a couple of weeks ago. Well, I believe it was the first lesson, the first message that we ministered from Jude. But to keep yourselves in the love of God. See, the main command here is to keep yourselves in the love of God. That's the main thing. These other things are areas on how you can go about keeping yourself in the love of God. But to keep means to carefully attend to. It's carefully attending to something. It means to be on your guard. And this is what he's saying to us, saints, to carefully attend to, to be on your guard. In Second uh, Peter, we've been dealing with on Sunday mornings, he says, giving all diligence. He's saying the same thing here. This is the same thing, to give, give diligence to make your calling and election sure and to uh, carefully attend to, to stay. That word keep means to stay in a certain state, a certain position, or a certain activity. And he's saying to stay in, keep yourself in the love of God. Now, I'm going to tell you something, that God's not going to force you to stay in his love. He will keep you in his love, and you will be kept by the power of God. And Jude goes on to say he's able to keep us from stumbling and falling. But you have got to want to be kept. Somebody come on, amen. You've got to want to be kept. You've got to give. There's something that we have to give. And I mentioned it on Sunday morning. We've got a responsibility in keeping ourselves in Christ and in the love of God. He wants us to present to him a willing mind and an obedient heart. And I'm going to tell you, if you have a willing mind and you are willing and you are obedient, then God will keep you and you'll eat of the good of the land, amen. But there's... There, the, but we play a part in this. It's not all pre-planned. It's not all predetermined. It's not all predestined that you're predestined to be saved and be in the love of God. And no matter what you do, you're going to stay in it. No, you have a responsibility to keep yourself in the love of God. Come on, somebody. Amen. Praise God. Now, that doesn't mean God will ever stop loving a person if they turn their back on, on them, on on the Lord. If they turn away from the Lord, does he love the sinner? Yes. Does he love the backslider? Yes. Does he love those who have strayed away? Yes. But 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 
we remove ourselves from the place of his blessing. We remove ourselves from the place of his security. We remove ourselves if we turn and go away from him from the place of our security in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, I don't know why we've been, we've been hammering on this a little bit here lately. I guess because there's, there's some of the teaching that's going on. I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, I didn't mention the name, but Andy Stanley, uh, Charles Stanley's son, is one that has gotten so far off base. He's affirming homosexuals in his church, even making the statement that, uh, that, that the homosexuals and the gays have more faith than the other Christians in his church. It's terrible what's going on. Come on, somebody. So we need to be aware of these things. I'm not bashing him as a person, but he has gotten off base with doctrine and he and his father both teach and believe that you can live like the devil after you get saved and still go to heaven and that is not biblical amen and Jude says it right here keep yourself in you must keep yourself beloved in the love of God carefully attend to that amen first John 3 and verse 24 said, Now he who keeps his commandments, notice this, he who keeps his commandments abides in him and he in him. So there's a responsibility you have. Jesus in John chapter 15 says these words when he talked about how he's the true vine. You're the branches. The father's the husbandman. Jesus said, Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither Neither can you unless you abide in me. Notice that over and over. Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not, notice this, if anyone does not abide in me, that word abide means to remain or stay. In other words, they're in Christ. you got to stay there. If anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather him and gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, notice this. This is 15 and 9 of John, uh, St. John. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Isn't that what Jude's saying right here? Keep yourself in the love of God, right? That's what Jude's saying. Here Jesus says it. The Father loved me, I love you. Abide in my love. And verse 10 tells us how. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept the Father's commandments and abide in His love. So there's some keeping that we have to do. Amen. Man, I feel pretty good. I think I'm going to eat every Wednesday. Praise God. So that's the key verse that he's, or the key thought that he's, he's letting them know in the midst of apostasy and false doctrine and falling away, keep yourselves in the love of God. Now, notice this. He said to build. He talks now about building. Now, here's what we've got to do. We're getting back again here talking a little bit about spiritual growth and development. But what does he say? But you, beloved, I'm in verse 20, building yourselves up on your most holy faith. Building yourselves up 
On what? On your most holy faith. He's saying here that we are to build, we are to do some building of our spiritual life on a foundation, the foundation that has already been laid. How many knows what the foundation is? Or who the foundation is? Nobody? Everybody? Anybody? The foundation is who? The Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said that there's no other foundation that can be laid than what has already been laid, which is the Lord Jesus Christ in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And we're to build on that firm foundation. So Jude here is addressing spiritual growth, just as Peter addressed spiritual growth in 2 Peter. And in the last verse of 2 Peter, Peter says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So here Jude is dealing with spiritual growth as well. Paul dealt with spiritual growth in so many verses in in his writings. But in Colossians chapter 2, if you want to look at this, Colossians chapter 2 and verse 6, notice what Paul says to these saints and believers at Colossae. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, what are you supposed to do? So walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. So we're to continue as we received Christ, to continue to walk in Christ, to be rooted in Christ, to be built up in Him, and to be established in the faith. Now, what's the faith? He's talking here, Jude is, about our most holy faith, build, being, um, building ourselves up on our most holy faith. Here Paul says to be rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith. So the faith that they're both talking about is the cardinal truths and faith and doctrine of the Word of God. Amen. We've got to be built up in this faith, your faith in Christ. It's the faith. That's what Jude, this whole book, he's talking about contending for what? The faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints. So we're building ourselves up on this faith. We get saved, we get saved, we're building a house on a foundation. Isn't that what Jesus said? Matthew 7, Luke chapter 6, he gives that parable of the wise and the unwise builder, the wise and the foolish builder. That wise builders, those who hear the sayings of mine, and do them. He said, I liken him to a man that builds his house on the rock. Hallelujah. And he builds on that rock. That's the foundation. Jesus is the rock. The teaching of this book is based on Jesus. It's the rock. We build on that foundation. The storms come. The rains come. The floods come. Beat upon that. Luke said, beat vehemently upon that house and it did not fall because it's founded on a rock. Those that built on the sand the same storms came and the floods came and the winds blew but it destroyed that house and great was the fall of that house because it was on a faulty foundation you and I are are founded on Jesus Christ tonight on the, the doctrines the cardinal truths of the word of God hallelujah and we must build ourselves up in those doctrines in those truths and earnestly contend for the faith Amen. We believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We believe that He was born of a virgin. Hallelujah. That He was sinless. That His 
that he was spotless, the Lamb of God, and that his blood was pure and holy, and that he died on the cross to pay the price for the redemption of mankind, and that there's no other way that anybody can be saved other than faith in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did at the cross. Amen? Woo! Hallelujah. We believe the cardinal truths and doctrines of the Word of God, and we must contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints and build ourselves up on our most holy faith. Goes back to what I was saying. Man, Sunday morning and Wednesday night's kind of dovetailing. Seems like I get more enthusiasm and, and everything on Wednesday night, but Sunday morning and Wednesday night's kind of dovetailing because, you know, we've, we've talked about that and uh, building up, growing in the things of God. I'm going to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, saints of God. If you're not moving forward in Christ, you're not staying where you're at. You know, do I need to say that again? <laughs> if you're not moving forward in Christ, you're not staying where you're at. Where you're at. You cannot plateau in your walk with Jesus. That only happens in dieting. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. But it don't happen in your walk with Jesus. There are no plateaus in your walk with the Lord. Because if you stop, you go backwards. There is no cruise control. There is no automatic pilot to living for the Lord Jesus. And Peter said it in 2 Peter 1 and 5 through 7. When we get done with that Sunday, hopefully you'll have that in your heart. But to give all diligence, he said, to add to your faith. That's building up yourself on your most holy faith. To add to your faith virtue and, and knowledge and perseverance and um, Godliness and brother, brotherly kindness. And there's seven different attributes and characteristics that Peter gives that, that we're to add to our faith. So the most holy faith that he's talking about are our beliefs, the body of truth that we have learned from the Holy Scriptures, from the Word of God. Our beliefs are not our own opinions. Our beliefs are not the opinions of another man. But our beliefs are what the Bible says, what the Scripture says. And that's why it is the most holy faith. Amen? Woo! Hallelujah. Man, I'm... Praying, now notice what he says, we're still there in verse 20, I believe. Building yourself up on your most holy faith. What is the next word? Praying in the Holy Spirit. Praying in the Holy Spirit. What is he talking about? What is praying in the Holy Spirit? We need more of it. I can tell you that right now. Prayer in the Holy Spirit. Now, now listen, there's a couple of different things. And this is where I was at today's study, and I told Vicki, I said, I don't think I'm going to get done. But praying in the Holy Spirit is prayer that is led by, energized by, and empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's not you or I just going through emotion or reciting prayers or saying prayers, but it's allowing the Holy Spirit 
and trusting the Holy Spirit to get involved in our prayer life to help us to pray and energize our prayer. James said, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That word effectual is the prayer is a prayer that's energized. It's energeo or geo or whatever, I believe is the Greek word, but it means to be energized by the Holy Spirit. Your prayers will be effective and fervent and, and do some good and avail much and make tremendous power available when their Holy Ghost inspired, anointed, and led prayers. Come on, amen. That's why, that's why every one of us need the Holy Ghost. We're still Pentecostal around here. Amen. So praying in the Spirit is, is those prayers that are empowered, energized, led by the Holy Spirit. It's praying in the will of God. It's praying in line with the Word of God. Matthew Henry, the old commentator, you know, uh, from back, what, 1600s, uh, Matthew Henry, one of the, one of the uh, Puritans, he said, our prayers are most likely to prevail when we pray in the Holy Ghost. That is under His guidance and influence. So, the Holy Spirit will lead you in prayer. He can lead you who to pray for. He can lead you what to pray for. And He will if you'll depend upon Him to do it. I, I, you know, people all the time say, well, I, you know, I, can't, I just don't know what to pray. I don't I don't know what to pray for or how to pray. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you. Worship the Lord. Let the Holy Spirit guide you and direct you. He will do that. Get in the Spirit and pray in the Spirit. All right? Led and energized and anointed by the Spirit to pray. But now that's not all. That's part of what it means to pray in the Spirit and pray in the Holy Ghost. But there's another part to that as well. Because, and I, I heard a preacher the other day. I heard a preacher the other day that quoted this verse from Jude 20 and about praying in the Holy Spirit, and he made the statement, and he said the Pentecostals say that this is praying in tongues, but he said it's not, they're wrong. Well, I beg to differ. Huh? You know, people ask the question, what good is it to, to, to speak in tongues? Oh, there's a lot of benefit to speak in tongues. That, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother uh, message right there and series right there. There's all kinds of benefits to speaking in tongues. And speaking in other tongues, as the Spirit of God gives you utterance, which is the initial physical evidence of being baptized in the Holy Spirit, but it, it continues on. It's not something that's to dry up and just be gone the first, you know, right after you get filled with the Holy Spirit. It's something that's to continue in your life to enhance your walk with the Lord every day. But tongues are languages. Tongues are not gibberish. Tongues are not demonic. They are, uh, I'd be afraid, some of these preachers that say that these guys that speak, that we that speak in tongues are inspired of the devil. I'd be scared to say something like that. Uh, will it cost them their salvation? Depends on whether they're doing it in ignorance or maliciously. But I'll tell you what, it's going to affect them. They're going to be chided by the Lord for that when they get to heaven. Because speaking in other tongues is given by the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself even said, you can speak a word against the Son of Man, it'll be forgiven you. You can be, speak a word against the Father, it'll be forgiven. But if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, 
not be forgiven. So it's very important that we're careful about what we say about the Holy Spirit and the manifestation and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Tongues are languages given by the Holy Spirit. And praying in the Spirit includes praying in other tongues as the Spirit gives you utterance. Do you know that's one of the major benefits of being baptized in the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues is the fact that we have been given a prayer language. Somebody ought to say amen. Woo! Amen? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2. I'm going to read a few verses here. Is this all right? Stuff you already know, but let's be like Peter said. You know, I'm going to, as long as I'm in this tabernacle, I'm going to stir you up and remind you of this. 1 Corinthians 14, 2. Paul said, for he who speaks in a tongue. He's writing to the believers. He's writing to the Corinthian church. Trying to correct some things, but he gives some instruction here. And he says, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands him. However, notice this phrase, in the Spirit. In the Spirit. What did Jude say? Praying in the Holy Spirit. What did Paul say? Let's rightly divide the Word of God. Is that all right? What did Paul say? For he who speaks in a tongue, talking, this is talking about prayer here, does not speak to men but to God. How do you know it's about prayer? He's talking about prayer because you're speaking to God. I'm not speaking to you. A couple of guys on YouTube, I could call their names, you'd know who they are, was talking back and forth on the pulpit platform to one another in tongues and telling jokes and laughing and everything else. That's not a right manifestation of speaking in tongues. You're not talking to one another. You're talking to God. Are, are you listening to me? Amen. But in the Spirit, when you're speaking to God in tongues, in the Spirit, He's speaking mysteries. Mysteries, divine secrets to the Lord. You don't understand understand what you're saying, but you're talking to God. Amen. The devil will tell you, well, you don't even know what you're saying. Well, devil, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to God. Hallelujah. And he does know what I'm saying because it's a prayer language that's been given to me by the Holy Spirit. Verse 4, 1 Corinthians 14, 4. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. That's the same word that was used there for build up, where Jude said building up yourself. Here Paul says speaking in tongues edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. Drop to verse 14, 1 Corinthians 14, 14. Notice this, for if I pray, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. And then in verse 15, he says, what is the conclusion then? What, is it, do, what do I mean by all this? What am I supposed to do? Look what he says in verse 15. I will pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray with the understanding. And the reason I know that praying with the Spirit is praying in tongues is because he doesn't understand what he's saying when he's praying with the Spirit. But he's, And that's what he says. I'll pray with the Spirit or in other tongues, and then I will also pray with the understanding also.
so. He goes on and says, I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. So praying in tongues is speaking to God in the Holy Ghost, in the Spirit, and praying about things that you don't even know you need to be praying about. I'm telling you that is an awesome gift that God has given to the body of Christ and to those who are filled with the Holy Ghost. Give him praise tonight. Woo! Hallelujah. He said in Romans 8, 26 and 27, you know this. Mark it down. Put it, put it, mark it in your Bible. Romans 8, he said, verse 26, Likewise, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. This is not something the Holy Spirit does apart from us, but he does in us and through us. Verse 27, now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercessions for the saints according to the will of God. So anytime you're praying in the Spirit... Praying in the Holy Spirit, whether he's leading you to pray for somebody in English or you're praying in other tongues or in groanings, when you're praying in the Spirit, you're always praying in the will of God. Always. He will never lead you in a prayer that's contrary to the will of God. So when you pray, depend upon the Holy Spirit. Ask him to help you to pray. Amen? So building up yourself on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, verse 21, keeping yourself in the love of God. This is how we do it. And then notice this in verse 21, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ into eternal life. So we're going to be, we need to be looking for something. This is our battle plan, our strategy of making through. What, what do you think he's talking about there? What are we supposed to be looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ? He's talking about here. I'll tell you what he's talking about. He's saying you need to be looking all the time expectantly for the coming of the Lord for the rapture of the church. Hallelujah. You ever buy anything online? Huh? Man, I think we've got stock in Amazon, I think. Praise God. We seem like we're getting something on from online all the time, but when you buy something online, you know how it is. You order it, and you can't wait to get it. You get a tracking number, and you sign up for text and email alerts, and you track that package, and you follow it everywhere. I ordered a Bible one time, and that thing went, my Lord, it was lost. It was lost. I'd track it, and it went, it went from, from I forget, somewhere in the south. It went to Memphis, and then from Memphis it went to Pennsylvania, and then it came to, it came to Park Hills, and then it went back to uh, back to Memphis, and it was just all over the place. But anyway, I was tracking it. I was anticipating it getting to Washington Street. I was looking for it to get there. Brother Howard used to always say, Brother Howard Gillum and I, we, uh, you know, we all, uh, we, we were into premium Bibles and ordered a lot of Bibles and things. And I've got a collection. He had a collection, but uh, we'd order some new Bibles. A lot of times we'd, we'd both order the same one. And he used to always say this. He'd always say, man, when I order something, I want it as bad as a grown person. 
praise God. And, uh, you know, you're anticipating getting that package in the mail. Well, you know what? That's what Jude's talking about. He's talking about living with a desire and an anticipation for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Titus 2 and 13, Paul said, Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's telling us, and Jesus told us over and over, always be ready, always be prepared, and always be looking for the rapture of the church. That's what he's referring to here, looking for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. He's coming, and he's coming soon, ladies and gentlemen. We are nearer to our ultimate salvation than we have ever been. Don't give up on the last leg of this race. Come on. Keep looking for Jesus to come back again. So as we build ourselves up on our most holy faith, as we pray in the Holy Spirit, as we look for His glorious appearing, then we will remain and keep ourselves in the love of God. We will avoid deception. We'll stay under the spout where God's blessings are running out. We will have His guidance and direction and strengthening in our life. Look at verse 22 and 23. Verse 22 and 23. We're just about done. Woo! Hallelujah. And on some have compassion, making a distinction, but on others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Here's where the church falls down. Because here Jude urges believers those who are strong in the faith, those who are the beloved, he urges them to help those who have fallen prey to deceptive influence of false teachers. Have compassion on them. Have compassion on them. What's he saying? Pray for them and do what you can do to try to persuade them back into the truth. If you see a brother, what Paul say in Galatians 6 and 1, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual do what? Restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself that you also be tempted. That's what he's saying here, to get them back. Do what you can. A lot of times it will be words that fall on deaf ears. But don't let a brother or sister that's falling into deception or, or being led astray by false teaching have compassion enough on them to tell them the truth and say, you're going the wrong way. Huh? He said, make a distinction. There's several different ideas on this. The King James, the New King James says, make a dis- making a distinction. The New American Standard says, and have mercy on some who are doubting. And so those who are doubting, those who are doubting the Word of God and being led into different areas of, of false teaching, he said you got to make a distinction. you got to make a distinction in, in different ones. Others, there are others that have completely fallen away. And I believe he may hear the idea maybe there's some that are being led astray, but they're, but they're not there yet. Have compassion on them and pull them back. But make a distinction with those who have gone the wrong way. 
who have fallen into uh, false doctrine completely. And he said, they are in danger of losing their very soul. Whether they've been saved, been in church, been filled with the Holy Ghost, if they begin to follow false doctrine and false teaching, they will There's the danger of losing their soul. And that's why Jude says, you've got to pull them out of the fire. They're on the edge. They're on the brink of eternity, of losing their eternal soul. Don't let that happen to them. Snatch them back. And the word that he used there to to pull them out of the fire is harpazo. The same word that's used for the rapture of the church, the catching of the, away of the church. I mean, if you've got somebody out here that, that, uh, uh, that's getting ready to step out in front of a car out here on the highway and get run over, you, you're going to what? You're, uh, hey, uh, you're going to get run over. No, you're going to snatch them and pull them back. Get them out of danger. Amen? Pull them out of the fire. And as I said, I believe this is where the church and believers are falling down today. And we kind of get the idea, well, uh, that's, that's their deal, you know, whatever. But we need to have compassion on those who are being led astray. They may listen. They may not. But it's your and my responsibility to tell them you're going the wrong direction. Are you listening to me? Amen. Listen to what James says. Bear with me just a couple of more minutes. James says this in chapter 5 and verse 19 and 20. James says, Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth. Here's another scripture that shows you can be in the truth and be saved and get away from it and backslide. He said, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Woo! Hallelujah. Last two verses, verse 24 and 25. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling... And to present you faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. God alone has the power to keep you and I from falling. In a world that has so much corruption, that has so much false teaching, that has so much ungodliness... We need the power of God in our lives to keep us straight and to keep us from going astray. But for God to keep us, ladies and gentlemen, we must draw near to Him. We must stay in touch and keep in touch with Him. We must keep our faith in Him. And if we do that, the day is coming that He will present each and every one of us. Now I'm about to shout. Amen. To pre- he will present each one of us faultless, faultless, faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. That word faultless means blameless. It means spotless. It means pure and without any defilement whatsoever. We will be filled with triumphant joy in the glorious, in that glorious day when we stand face to face with the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus Himself will 
will present his saints, his bride, his church before the heavenly father, faultless and blameless and pure and clean and holy and white because of the precious blood of Jesus. You'll stand in his presence with nothing, nothing as far as sin goes to for him to even rebuke you for. Hallelujah. Because your faith has been in the cross of Christ and you have kept yourself in the love of God and God has kept you by his power and you'll stand before him with exceeding abundant joy. We sang about it tonight. Amen. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Hallelujah. Oh, that's even right now. But you wait till the joy to experience the joy that we're going to experience when we meet him face to face. Our bodies turned into glorified and being glorified to perfection. The joy of being reunited with loved ones and family that have already gone on and that are waiting for us in heaven. The exaltation of being made kings and priests unto God, unto Christ and ruling with reigning with Christ forever and forever. Praise God, I'm telling you, the only thing left for believers to do is to shout the praises of him who alone can save us and bring us spotless before the throne of Almighty God. Amen. To our God, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty and dominion and power both now and forever. Amen. Woo! Just lift your hands and give him praise. Oh, Lord, we love you tonight. We love you tonight. We love you tonight. Keep us, Lord, in the love of God. Keep us in your saving grace. Fill us with your Holy Spirit tonight. Oh, that we will be kept. And, I, and Lord, we're trusting you for that keeping power tonight. That everyone at Abundant Life Family Church is going to make it through. He that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. And we thank you for bringing us through this dark hour to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Give him praise tonight. Woo! Hallelujah. Amen. And the church said amen. We made it. Glory to God.